Do you know what sin the Bible says is unforgivable? Every single sin anyone has ever or will ever commit is forgiven if you ask Jesus to forgive you, except one. Open your eyes, your prize is right before you somehow. Whatever you do, just don't miss now. The thought of an unforgivable sin has troubled Christians for a long time. If you're one of them, take a deep breath. I have good news for you. Jesus called the Holy Spirit the Spirit of Truth in the book of John and warned us in Matthew 12:31. Therefore I say to you, any sin shall be forgiven, but blasphemy against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. So someone who has asked Jesus to forgive their sins and believes Jesus is their Savior, has nothing to fear. In fact, Jesus says, fear not, 365 times in the Bible to his followers. That covers every day of the year. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. Someone who would reject the Holy Spirit would never even think about this unforgivable sin. If you're listening right now and you're worried, you have not committed the unforgivable sin. Because if you had, you would not even be concerned about it. In fact, this message wouldn't make any sense to you and you would have no interest in it. Here's why. The unpardonable sin is the final declaration of a person's heart, declaring that they reject God and his plan of salvation. If you keep rejecting the offer of Jesus to save you from your sins and you die, you've committed the unforgivable sin. The Bible is crystal clear. There is no pardon after death. The unpardonable sin is the ultimate rejection of the person of Jesus Christ, who is God's only way to salvation. Matthew 7.14 says, But small is the gate, and narrow is the road which leads to life, and only few find it. In this scripture, Jesus is referring to himself as the gate, and he later said, I am the way, I am the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me, in John 16.6. In other words, the way to salvation is narrow because salvation does not come through Buddha, Muhammad, good works, or any other way except Jesus Christ alone. He is the only way to salvation. When we come to salvation through him, we only need to believe in our heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, confessed Jesus as our Lord, and we are saved. Romans 10.9 I don't know about you, but I've heard a lot about God and Jesus as a Christian but we rarely hear much about the Holy Spirit. The concept of the Trinity, three in one, one in three, is ultimately a mystery to our human minds. And although the Trinity is never mentioned in the Bible, its existence is clearly spoken about in Matthew 28, 19, when Jesus says, go and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And in 2 Corinthians 13, 14, May the grace of the Lord, love of God, and fellowship with the Holy Spirit be with you. Just like a family has several members, it is one unit, but each member has a specific role and different from the other two. And yet, they make up a single unit with a single purpose of carrying out a perfect plan. The Father is the architect or planner of this unit. Jesus is the contractor or the one who carries out the plan. And the Holy Spirit is the laborer of the one who gives life to the plan. It's important for us to better understand the person of the Holy Spirit 
Sometimes people think of the Holy Spirit more of an it than a him. But according to scripture, the Holy Spirit is not only God, but he is also an individual with a will, personality, and can be offended. Right from the beginning of the Bible in Genesis 1-2, the earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Genesis 1-26 goes on to say, Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. Isaiah 42-1 says, God says about Jesus, Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I am pleased, upon whom I have put my spirit. When you ask Jesus to save you, the Holy Spirit takes up residency inside of you. But that does not remove the temptations to live outside of God's will. We are transformed, but not immune to ungodly desires and spiritual attack. Some think once they have Jesus and the Holy Spirit, their lives should be problem-free. Well, that's not true. We know Jesus was always connected and submitted to God, and his power came from the Holy Spirit. But he felt agony, pain, rejection, persecution, and struggled like no other. So don't let anyone tell you you're not letting the Holy Spirit take control. Hang in there. As Paul said, he who began a good work in you will carry it out to completion until the day Christ returns in Philippians 1.6. Paul says in Galatians 5.16, so I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. Paul goes on to say, if we live by the Spirit that is controlled by him, let us also walk by the Spirit. The Holy Spirit isn't a force. Again, he's a person. John 14, 16, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor, and he will be with you forever. God has specific work for the Holy Spirit to do in your life. We can't live our divine callings without the Holy Spirit. John 14, 26 says, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. Not only did Jesus comfort his disciples with the fact that the Holy Spirit will teach them, but he will bring to memory all he taught them. John 15:26 says, When the Helper, the Holy Spirit, comes from the Father, he will give you the Spirit of truth and will testify about Jesus. The Holy Spirit never talks about himself, only Jesus. John 16:8. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. In Romans 8:14. Paul goes on to say, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. And there's fruit from being led by the Spirit. In fact, Jesus says, you will know my followers by their fruit. Galatians 5.22 lists the fruits as love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. In 1 Corinthians 12.7, we learn of the gifts given to us by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has given each of us different gifts for the good of all of us. To some people, the Spirit gives a message of knowledge. To others, faith. Others, healing. To others, miracles. And to others, the ability to do prophecy. And more. In Acts 1-7, Jesus said to his disciples, It's not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And even though they witnessed him walk on water, raise the dead, cast out demons, he said, you won't be ready until you get the Holy Spirit. God intends us to walk by his Spirit. In fact, I'm not teaching you anything right now. Rather, it's the authority of the Spirit to work in your heart and mind and soul. There is no formula for this relationship with the Holy Spirit. But God promises us, if we ask him for the Holy Spirit, he will come. If we seek him, we will find him. Keep knocking and the door will be opened. Matthew 7:17. None of us can do anything spiritual without the Holy Spirit. 
Romans 8, 6. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Wisdom, courage, inspiration, motivation, interpretation, power, authority, it's all possible with the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 3, 16, I pray that from His glorious unlimited resources, God will give you mighty inner strength through His Holy Spirit. You can have more degrees than a thermometer and miss the whole point of being a follower of Jesus Christ. Titus 3, 5 says, He saved us. It was not because of any good deeds that we ourselves have done, but because of his own mercy that he saved us through his Holy Spirit, who gives us new birth and new life. John 6.63 What gives life is God's Spirit. Human power is of no use at all. 1 Corinthians 12.13 says, For we are all baptized by one Spirit. In fact, Billy Graham put it this way, All believers in Jesus Christ are baptized with the Holy Spirit, but this does not mean, however, that they are filled or controlled by the Spirit. The important thing is the great central truth. When we come to Christ, he gives us his spirit. And I would add the Holy Spirit doesn't timeshare. Once he moves in, he doesn't move out. Salvation is a one-time event. 1 Corinthians 6.19 Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? The Holy Spirit seals the deal for all of eternity. Ephesians 1.13 And you were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having believed you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians 5.5 Now it is God who has made us for the very purpose and has given us the Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Whatever happens in your life, you can cry out to the Holy Spirit. Psalm 25.9 God guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. This is a minute-by-minute total surrender to His Holy Spirit. You can do Bible studies, you can attend church, do mission work, but you are really here to let Jesus live in you. That's what walking by the Spirit is all about. So you can go to church and then you can go home and curse out your family and your neighbors and your coworkers, but that's not walking in the Spirit. If you are sensitive to the Holy Spirit, then you don't want to grieve Him. Ephesians 4.30 And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, He has identified you as His own guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. The Spirit of God guides, leads, inspires, protects, directs the Spirit within us. He's here for our benefit, not His. He loves us so much that He seals us for the day of redemption. Romans 8, 5, those who live according to the flesh will have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit will have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. What is your mindset? Right now, I want you to think about something troubling you in your flesh. Okay, quickly, just like that, think about the same issue in your spirit. Train yourself to switch your mindset over and over again and again to think in the spirit about every situation. Romans 8, 6 says, For the mindset on the flesh is death. The mindset on the spirit is life and peace. The mindset on flesh is hostile toward God. If you want God's best, you need a mind set on the Holy Spirit. And since you've been raised up with Christ, set your hearts on the things above where Christ is, Colossians 3.1. How do we do that? Well, there are several specific sins that can be committed against the Holy Spirit. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. One of the places in Scripture where we read about grieving the Holy Spirit is in Ephesians 4.29. The Apostle Paul writes, Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful, so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And do not grieve God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander, as well as all types of malicious behavior. 
Instead, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. Bitterness makes the Holy Spirit sad, too. Some people just like to be mad. They live for conflict, arguing all the time, complaining, disagreeing, fighting. This, as with all sin, only gets worse if left unchecked. Forgive and move on. Proverbs 26, 17 warns, Whoever meddles in a quarrel not his own is like one who takes a passing dog by the ears. In other words, stay in your lane, mind your own business, and enjoy your peace. Fits of rage and uncontrolled anger grieve the Holy Spirit. Rage speaks of the person who is easily angered and who raises his voice, shouting and screaming. Slander is speaking evil of other people behind their backs. Malicious behavior speaks of plotting evil against someone, enjoying destroying someone's life. Try the acronym THINK the next time you're not sure whether or not you should say something. T. Is it truthful? H. Is it helpful? I. Is it inspiring? N. Is it necessary? And K. Is it kind? Instead of speaking evil of someone, we are asked to be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. Paul concludes Ephesians 4.32 by saying, Just as God through Christ has forgiven you, forgiven people should be forgiving people. Otherwise, we're grieving the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is often described as light. John 16.7, He shines it into dark places of the heart and convicts us of sin. He is a lamp to illuminate God's Word, teaching what is true. 1 Corinthians 2.6 Psalm 119.105, Your Word is a lamp to guide me and a light for my path. James 1.5 says, If you want to know what God really wants you to do, just ask His Holy Spirit. And the Spirit throws a spotlight on Christ so that we can see His glory and be changed. John 16, 14. That's why 2 Corinthians 3:18 speaks of becoming more like Christ by beholding the glory of Christ, just as Moses had his face transfigured when he saw God's glory on Mount Sinai. So we will be transformed by the Holy Spirit when we experience God's glory. The Spirit, then, is a light to us in three ways, by exposing our guilt, illuminating the Word of God, and by showing us who Jesus truly is. The good news is you have freedom in Christ, and you don't have to navigate all of this on your own. I wonder if that's why in James 1-2, he says, Consider it all joy, brothers and sisters, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. The tests, the trials, the pain, all of it is actually a Holy Spirit setup so we can rely completely and totally every minute on the Holy Spirit who will guide us through everything thrown our way. How else does the Bible promise us to be complete and lacking in nothing? Well, that's impossible without Jesus. The only way to truly have empowerment to forgive, resist the devil, and live our divine callings is to cry out to the Holy Spirit. If you've never done that, it would be an absolute honor for me right now to pray with you and seal the matter for all of eternity. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn from my sins and I invite you right now to come into my heart and to my life. I want to trust you and follow you as my Lord and Savior through your Holy Spirit. Amen. You have absolutely nothing to fear about committing the unpardonable sin. You are sealed for all of eternity. God bless your life. And thank you, Holy Spirit, for giving me this message and bringing those who you are moving in their hearts and souls to listen to this program right now. My prayer is that your divine calling is far greater than anything you could ever ask or imagine.